Welcome to the Football by Football podcast. Let's do it. And here we go. It's Matt Chatham. This is the Real Thing Patriots podcast. It's the 2018 season. Last time I've talked to you folks was a a bit of a morbid uh, post-Super Bowl show. And we're not doing that now, clearly. We're we're a game week show. And as we've uh, mentioned there on Twitter, you obviously figured out if you popped onto the show now. We're doing it as an early game week thing. This is uh, really a part from my own personal schedule, but I think it's a a benefit to any listener out there. Uh, In years past, just because of a lot of different things going on with my media schedule, uh, I like to do this show a little later in the week to kind of give me a breath uh, to diagnose the week, the, the game that just happened, and then to dive into the next thing. Uh, you know, give you a little preview of the next possible game. The problem with that is oftentimes I'm hitting you on a Wednesday or maybe even a Thursday with a lot of information about what just happened in a game that's sort of hot on people's mind. It's a big win or maybe a loss. It's disappointing. And you're hearing sort of the what really happened kind of stuff from a study and review a little later in the week. I didn't ever like that. So I wanted to get it out when it was fresh in everyone's mind, when it's fresh in my mind. Uh, but that obviously eliminates the look ahead. I don't have time yet to study Jacksonville. I'm never going to, on a Monday, have looked ahead. And I don't want to just speak out of my ass to you about what I think about a team I haven't looked at. So this is really going to be a strict, quick as I can get it out to you, next day game kind of thing. And, you know, I spend a lot of hours reviewing the game. So it's probably not going to come out uh, until the next morning uh, on on Monday or a, a Tuesday if it happens to be a Monday night game. But this is the new method I'm, I'm rolling with. And, uh, you know, in part, it's, it's listened to a lot of people's feedback on Twitter and and things along those lines that, hey, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? When's it coming out? And I don't want to miss sort of that that moment where the interest is highest on the game that just happened. So we'll do it this way later in the week. If you Hopefully you're a subscriber to The Athletic. Um, you can read my column later in the week. And usually with that column, I'm always looking ahead to the next thing. So that'll be sort of the vehicle for me to talk about something coming up as opposed to looking back. And again, I'm self-promotion here, obviously, and helping with my own, with the company I work with, but uh, Nesson, the New England Sports Network, you know, my main job, uh, we're always, we're going to be throughout this season doing a pregame show. We did our first one of the year here uh, against the Texans. You know, it's, it was the first week. It was a soft opening, so a little, a little ragged, but uh, I think we got some good information out there to you. We're really going to tune that up and make that thing tight and look Look good, sound good, and all the things we expect it to be. But, you know, they I think the, the crew there at Nesson did a great job of plump, plumping it out there for the first time. We'll also get you a little better information there on um, on when and where to find the thing. So I know there was some confusion with people out there of, you know, I'd promoted it, at, and I think even Nesson had promoted initially as going to be showing up on the on the website, on Nesson.com, and then Facebook. Well, it came in two tiers. We did it live on Facebook at one time. So if you were clicking into the website right when I had told you to or when Nesson had told you to, it wasn't there yet. So what they were doing was, uh, you know, two hours prior, or excuse me, yeah, two hours prior at 11 o'clock, we were taping a live show that showed on Facebook. And then once they got that MP4 of that video up and done, they put it up on the website later. So it didn't show up on the website until later. And uh, I know a lot of people, even family, friends, other other people were reaching out to me saying, where the hell's the show at? And, you know, that's our fault. We'll, we'll get that we'll get that cleaned up. Because if you were looking for the show on .com at 11, it wasn't there. Uh, so we're going to try to clean this up and make sure everything kind of runs smoothly so you know the when and where to find that part. So it kind of fills out the week. If you're interested in what we're talking about, what we're looking at that'll that'll kind of span things out pod early in the week athletic column midweek you can see me on this in any of the evenings during the week um uh I can't tell you exactly which, but throughout the week, and then obviously the pregame show before. So we'll hit at you a lot of different ways, uh, but I obviously love that you guys are back with us again. We had a lot of fun last year doing all this a full season shows, a full complement of playoff shows as well, and now we're going to get back into this regular season. Excited to dive into it. So obviously, it's a happy Monday, right? There's a good lot, a lot to be pleased about. Uh, I personally, from the media standpoint, love when it's a 1 o'clock game because you get to go home with family, you get to watch the other games, which is helpful for you know any kind of study you got to do later on the year if you happen to run into one of those opponents we get to have a nice meal get to you know actually see the kids my my son plays hockey in the morning every every week throughout this year so I'm trying to go to a hockey game then make it over to the uh over to the uh, the pregame show there at the stadium. So it's going to be a test, but uh, I think if you're a fan of New England, you wake up on this Monday with a big smile on your face. I mean, there's a lot to be happy for. Nice pace to the weekend, ends with a nice Patriots victory. You get to come home and still have a nice night with your family or loved ones or whatever, whatever it may be. So you wake up on Monday, happy, ready to roll. Let's get 
into this. Now, obviously, I, I like to hit on this part initially because we spent so much time, especially myself on Nesson, uh, talking about throughout the week some of the unknowns, like what's going to happen in this game. There were a lot of things we weren't exactly sure on how it would go down. And initially, uh, we, we got this list of inactives. And, and it was in part, of, you know, one of the big storylines through preseason. You, you get to the 53, but the 53 isn't who plays. It's just the 46, and that's counting your, your extra quarterback there. Now, Jacob Hollister ends up being inactive, and I think that was a mild surprise to a lot of people. Uh, we knew he'd had a little bit of a tweak and was showing up on injury reports, but, you know, I, I, I was of the mind that I thought he'd be the third tight end and he'd be up and be ready to roll. In this game, they essentially used Devlin as the third tight end. There were times where he the line in the wing, Gronk with his hand on the ground, or either Allen on the, with his hand on the ground, with uh, with James Devlin next to him, you know, in a YY they call it. So you'd see him in a little wing hip hip roll alignment there occasionally, and obviously Devlin had all of his other plays out in a regular fullback alignment, but. That was sort of the tweak. Hollister down. Oh, okay. And I think a lot of us have been saying, you know, with the thinness at wide receiver, maybe that would soak up a few catches for Hollister, but he was inactive. So that was a mild surprise. Derek Rivers not playing in the first game. I think that kind of hit a lot of people, and me included, as, oh, wait. I mean, I'd done an extensive column on, on The Athletic and how I thought he fit into their four-man line rotation. And we'll get into the pass rush later. But to me, again, a mild surprise. What this means is a, a similar body, body type, Jerome Grissom. Uh, Jermaine uh, Grissom. What am I doing? Grissom. Let's just stick with that. Gino Grissom. Jeez. Uh, Gino Grissom is, I say, similar body type. He's in that 6'4", 250, or 60 range, whatever. And I think Rivers is a little lighter, more like 45, 50 kind of guy. But similar, right? Uh, technically, DNs, but kind of outside linebacker body types. Grissom's been playing teams for the Pats now for a couple years. Obviously, is a little more entrenched role on the four teams thing. So when it came down to it, it appears that that's sort of your and or. Now, it felt like a little bit of a light week for the Patriots and some other spots, excuse me, heavy week for the Patriots in some other spots. They loaded up. Keonta Davis had a starting role, had a big role. I don't know if that'll be the case week in, week out. It might be a him or Rivers kind of thing. I guess we'll we'll kind of learn more as it goes. And, and to me, it was a mild surprise because Derek Rivers is a, a thinner guy, a quicker guy better on his feet, presumably, than maybe a bigger guy like Keonta Davis or, or even like an Adrian Claiborne, not that I would expect him to be inactive. But with a more mobile guy like Deshaun Watson, yeah, you'd expect the mobile edge guys to be up. They weren't, and the tweak there was to put Kyle Van Noy as a left end, something we hadn't seen him uh, do in four-man line stuff throughout the preseason, best of my recollection, anyhow. So that was a bit of a wrinkle. Rivers down, Kyle Van Noy plays end, and he's end, this is very important, end to Deshaun Watson's throw side. So Watson's right-handed. If he's going to break it down and scramble to a side where he doesn't have to throw across his body, that would have been to the light guy's side. Rivers in the past, we saw through preseason, but here, Kyle Van Noy. So nice little uh, change up wrinkle there. Van Noy's not necessarily going to get the best pass rush one on one move as opposed, you know, like to get a win or whatever. And I mean, if you go through that list of all the other people have from Dietrich Wise to Flowers to Claiborne to even Count to Davis, I think those guys are better pure pass rushers, but that's not what that was about. Van Noy was at left end, I think, to shadow, run down, put a little pressure, but the guy that can separate, retrace, and get back to the quarterback in a hurry. Game plan wrinkle there makes some sense uh, once you see how it all played out. Uh, moving on down that list, Keon Crossan, awesome story. You know, has the three penalties earlier in the in in the, I believe it was the second preseason game, but you know had a bad day and then bounced back for it with a couple solid performances uh, down the stretch of the preseason. Makes the roster. Lower draft picks certainly not guaranteed. But a big story for him, you know, a big story for him and his family. Uh, I think believe Jeff Howard, uh, my buddy there on The Athletic, uh, had written on him on one occasion or other and had, had gotten into his story pretty well. He's, a, he's an easy guy to cheer for. Sounds like he's doing all the right things, but inactive on his first, uh, what would have been his first NFL game. Sony Michelle down. We'll get into the Sony Michelle stuff a little bit later. Word on the street uh, was that he was moving closer to health. He has been practicing a little bit for the last couple weeks. Uh, his body's getting close there, but it was sort of in that moment where it would be pushing it potentially to have him up, especially in lieu of multiple guys that were active, right? You got Burkhead, you got White, and you had Jeremy Hill. Again, it's a, a, a negative portion. We'll get into there on that in just a second. But Michelle was down because the other three are up. And remember, there's some back context to all this, too. You no longer have Brandon Boulder, Bolden up on an active roster. He's down in Miami. So it's not as if there's that fourth back there. 
So in game, as I sort of alluded to just a second ago, Jeremy Hill goes down trying to tackle uh, uh, whomever it was on the interception uh, on Gronk's fumble. Or excuse me, Gronk's fumble, not interception, but on Gronk's fumble. Uh, and James Devlin, you know, just trying to make a play himself, goes through the back of Hill's knee. Looks like there's an issue there um, as I'm recording the show. I don't know the news on the extent of it. But Hill down in game, no bolden up on the roster and Michelle inactive. That now becomes a story going forward. Burkhead has an injury history, made it through this game. Going to be an exciting player presumably for this season. But at that point in the game when Hill goes down, you've now just got James White and Burkhead out there on the roster. And technically, obviously, Devlin's a back, too. But that does change the dynamic on this roster going forward. You're really going to hope that that, uh, that Sonny Michelle gets himself back up and ready to play next week as an active guy if Hill cannot. Down the list, J.C. Jackson, obviously guy was the rock star, shining, shining, undrafted guy of the preseason that made the roster, looked exceptional. But they went with Jason McCourty active for this day instead of him. So probably looking there at the at the safety corner versatility question mark kind of stuff. So that's the route they went. Again, another spot we'll kind of keep an eye on as the, the thing goes forward. Now into the game. So we know this is a 1 o'clock game. It was cool, a little bit uh, unseasonal. Unseasonal? That's right. <laughs> For this particular day. Uh, you know, I was down there on the field doing uh, pregame stuff, and there was a little bit of wind whipping. Uh, the conditions are just not what you expect for that bright, shiny, typical, you know, opening game to, to a New England season. But I don't necessarily say that. And it's not as if the conditions played a part in this first play. But uh, you get a mishandled snap right off the bat, a read option play. Uh, I don't think it was RPO, but just a read option. You know, Deshaun putting the ball in the gut of Lamar Miller. Is he going to pull it out? Is he not? They looked back at each other, argued a little after the play. Ball goes on the ground. One snap, ball down. And and again, I'm you know me. I've, I've been a big advocate of 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 logic, quite frankly, within the in lieu of practicing. The better, more practice you have, especially the more live reps you have, the the cleaner it will presumably be, and typically is. You know, in the game of football, this is not a game where, you know, you can just fly through no live reps and you know, all the timing will be great when you get to the regular season. It just doesn't happen that way. And to me, that looked like, a, oh, it just looked like a sloppy first snap of a year where um, the starters are taking less and less rep in these camp plays. And um, we saw some of that sloppy play really from both sides. Um, not as if that couldn't have happened if they'd have had more preseason reps, but it certainly doesn't hurt it. Let's put it that way. So. That happens right off the bat. Quick, sudden change for the Patriots' defense to get back on the field there. And, uh, you know, they – excuse me, the offense to get right back on the field and, and after, the, after the quick turnover. And then comes the next sort of layer of Patriots' intrigue, in my view. We've gone through this whole preseason ex- presuming Ladrian Waddle at right tackle. Um, you know, we talked a little bit, obviously, Isaiah Wynn really looked to be winning that job until he got injured. Uh, but then, thank goodness, they had re-signed Adrian Waddle. Uh, they allow, uh, oh gosh, I can't bring his name up and then forget it. Uh, the the tackle here that had been on the roster that had been a swing a year ago goes to Dallas and earns a job down there, a nice free agent contract, and it would have been a decision between Waddle and he, but Waddle's the one who's re-signed. Thank goodness you had him. He comes in, he plays admirably, but we all kind of thought, you know, is it is he going to start there instead of Marcus Cannon? Because Marcus, we have not seen the guy play live reps and not played live reps doesn't mean he hasn't had some, you know, hard practice reps out of the out of the media's view the last two weeks. Um, and and you got to assume that that was the case because Marcus Cannon started. So Marcus Cannon started a right tackle. That means some matchups with J.J. Watt. You may draw Jadavian Clowney, although I don't think he saw much of him on that side. Uh, but it was more Watt. And Cannon did a, an admirable job. It wasn't as if they were giving up pressures or any issues early. But I don't know if it was conditioning. I don't know if it was just sort of the plan. I don't know if it was a bad snap or two, but rep or two. But they went ahead and, and did rotate him out. Uh, and so that puts Lader and Waddle back in at right tackle and uh, pretty much finished the game. I think Cam, I, I don't want to screw this up for you folks if this is an important point to you, but I, I, I believe Cannon came back in, but I think the glut of the reps went to Waddle, uh, which again is going to be something to keep an eye on here, which guy they settle on. Cannon, you know, two years ago, very nearly an all-pro at that spot, a, a high-end dude, um, but health, still kind of a question with him, especially if you're not able to go wire to wire. And how would you expect one to do? He hasn't, didn't have camp. So in this series, uh, this to me is is one of the, 
the more important place in this game, and it's happening early. It's the sudden change, but who do they directly go to? We've had all this offseason talk about what's going on with Rob Gronkowski, and then he's now, yes, of course, he's back on the roster. Now they've mended any questions of where he'll be years from now. They redo his contract. Um, you know, all that stuff. The, that stuff is is gone in, 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 in the past. And he's he's been committed since May, whatever the heck it was. So, but then there snuck up in these last few weeks with Jalen Ramsey, who you know we'll get into him more next week. But you know the, the top cornerback there for Jacksonville, become one of the top cornerbacks in the league. People have learned they like to put a microphone in front of him because they'll say whatever. You know, flat Earth stuff presumably will come at some point. Nine out of ten of the stuff that he says doesn't make sense, but I think people have gotten the. Uh, gotten uh, wind of the idea that they can get clicks out of this guy. They can get him to say crazy stuff. He can get attention, and that continues to happen. But one of the things that he said that was relevant to this first drive is he was championing this, championing this idea that Rob Gronkowski can be covered by corners, that people don't understand that he's actually not been as good. He's been overrated or whatever his phraseology was that he chose. Uh, that he's oh you know he's not as great as people think when covered by DBs. So, okay, that's wrong. But we'll we'll get into that. They get down in the red zone here, and uh, immediately uh, that's where the pickup is. It's it's Gronk extended. He's essentially playing the X. He's on an on the ball guy. I, I think I got that right without the video here in front of me. But he's extended. He draws a cornerback. It's a cornerback with uh, I don't know some cut or shade or something to him with his safety. He's getting safety attention over it. But you've got inside uh, technique by a corner up in his face. That's hey, this is Ramsey scenario. Now maybe his excuse is oh, well, not that corner. Maybe it's just I mean maybe he's really just talking about himself. But we've seen this over and over and over again if you follow this team closely when Gronk draws coverage on a corner the fade is coming and he typically wins that now when he starts when he's covered by a defensive back and he's getting double help and the page, you know and Tom doesn't go to him well that's a different that's a different conversation maybe that's what helped lead Ramsey to that that opinion but this was a moment where oh DBs can't cover Gronk really okay here we go Tom immediately turns and throws to him and the help is coming so the help actually gets a little bit involved in the hit but it's just a, a tick too late uh and it's an easy touchdown look you know just quick back shoulder fade uh pitch and catch tap tap touchdown and I, I what, what I found interesting that we actually talked about this on on the Nesson pregame show that we did uh on Facebook live there um it one thing that jumped out to me is yes the the, the Texans had overhauled their secondary uh, in the off season they they really changed around basically three of the four positions one corner stayed Jackson goes to the back end he goes from corner and goes back and plays safety now free safety the, the, both of the safeties that were there were now gone and Tyron Matthew becomes the strong. So and then they bring in Aaron Colvin from Jacksonville. That, that's, that's your fifth defensive back. Basically, four of the five in a nickel situation are all new dudes. And what's relevant about that is not just that they're all new; they're all six foot or under. So these are not tall defensive backs. Now, in in fairness to Jalen Ramsey's sort of point of view on what he can do, he's taller. I believe it's six one or six two, but with really long arms. He's more like a long safety that happens to be, you know, that skilled and can play corner. And that. You know, it's not a lot. Obviously, Gronk at six six is is still got more length on him. But when you start talking about the five eleven and five ten corners and the five eleven and five ten safeties, double them, single them, whatever, it becomes too much of an uphill deal. They're just it's too much of a mismatch. So when you get those corners, I, I don't care if you double them. It really doesn't matter. They just throw it high and out outside, and Gronk makes a play. And I thought they. Uh, Obviously, proved that point very, uh, b- very convincingly, real early in this thing. Answer your question: Who's Brady going to throw to? What receiver is going to get? Well, they're going to get the six-six tight end receiver. That answers that. So now, moving on here, um, Jalen. Oh, excuse me. Uh, now it's the first full defensive series, and you know the Patriots are back on D now. How are they going to account for for uh, Watson? You know, obviously a a big conversation piece leading into this game. He's mobile. He throws the ball really well, especially to the middle part of the field. That was something I was highlighting in pregame, uh, wanting to make sure that you know a lot of those the, the two worst throws, or the two great throws to the Texans that Watson had had a year ago were back up the middle of the field, either a post or a back shoulder. I guess I would call it middle read between the hashing numbers, but inside the 
the number throws, where it's just direct throws. Step up in the pocket, move the safeties a little bit with your eyes, but delivering a ball in the middle of the field. It's a more direct throw, laser beams, and he's an accurate thrower. He got it done. My big thought was, man, this whole the action needs to stay outside the numbers. Make the heart throws at least a little bit harder by keeping them outside the numbers. It makes it a harder throw. It's your old uh, geometry stuff there. Um, and and one of the things that, that I wondered was, okay, if they're going to play that kind of thing, maybe pack them in a little bit more, get it outside, and then compensate up front with maybe the more athletic dudes. Well, a little bit of that was blown up right in the first snap. I mean, like a lot of us thought Adrian Claiborne, you know, the big free agent signing uh, as a defensive end, really, really effective camp, played great in the preseason games. Uh, and they come out with Keonta Davis. Uh, it was pretty close body type, really, to to Claiborne uh, at right end. And that, to me, was a surprise. And there was one rep, uh, I believe it was on their second drive, but, you know, really their first lengthy drive, uh, where Watson steps up, scrambles, and you could tell that the little bit bigger, less quick Keonta Davis had some trouble retracing. And I was a little bit surprised and thinking, gosh, why? I, I don't, I'm not sure I quite understand how he got that got the nod there as opposed to Claiborne or opposed to put Wise on the right edge and, you know, letting KVN be the one on the left side, Kyle Van Noy. Uh, but that's the way they went. And uh, it, it, it now, in fairness, it's not, I'm, I'm not trying to knock Davis here. He actually came back and had a really nice sack later, uh, you know, baiting the edge, winning the edge. It's not on the pass rush stuff. It's more on the it retrace if the rush doesn't work stuff where I think you're a little bit more exposed. But I say all that, and it eventually does work out. So I think we get to see that the Patriots believe they've got an extra guy there in Davis. Uh, and, you know, all of a sudden, all of our analysis, and the first was with was with Rivers and Wise and, and, and Adam Butler and, you know, you know maybe the bigs of, of Danny uh, Shelton on the inside alongside Malcolm Brown and, and all this stuff and Claiborne and all how they all fit together. Add Davis in, wow, that's another body that they feel strongly about, and the guy picks up his first NFL sack in his first game. So that's a big deal. Um, but the other wrinkle beyond just the front is Juwan Bentley, dude from Purdue, linebacker, number 51, wearing Mayo's old number. Um, you know, Brian Cox back in the day wore that 51. You know, a lot of uh, – Don Davis, my old buddy, wore 51 forever uh, with us. But that's that's a very big rarity, and I wanted to really emphasize this point. Uh, that uh, that as much as any of this other stuff, Cannon starting or not, who was inactive or not, the fact that they were willing to put a rookie middle linebacker, a rookie inside linebacker and sub on the field right away in his rookie season, man, that's a big deal. So we'll, we'll continue to talk about Bentley throughout this year. I thought he held up as just a general point throughout the game very well in coverage. You know, the, and, and the Texans tried him. I think they clearly look out there and say, oh, big 255 kind of linebacker dude. Uh, we'll motion out our back, our smaller fleet guy into motion. That happened twice that I recall. It may have been more, uh, didn't track it. But uh, motion him to empty and put the, the back as far as they can outside the numbers and watch the linebacker go with the motion, realize, oh, we've got man, there's a, there's a matchup we look that we may like. They never tested it, and that was actually kind of surprising to me. It was comp- surprising to see them force the motion, see the motion they got, and not go to it. So that's telling you that at least in the first second, second and a half into the two seconds, uh, Watson's staring at it, not thinking he has something there. So that's that's a big credit. I think a year ago, if we're talking about one of the other linebackers who was not Hightower doing that, uh, you know, they, they may not feel quite as comfortable with that. So that's a nice development for this defense. You can motion out this big linebacker and not necessarily draw a throw. Uh, and then uh, in the run game stuff, the stuff that I think Bentley is absolutely the best at, some different scheme run stuff clearly with Houston. They've got the read option stuff. There are the RPO plays. There's the other play action, a lot of that stuff because it's you know misdirection and everything with them. And he held up really well. There was no glaring mistakes. It wasn't a perfect game by any stretch, but there were several plays where I'm – you know, asterisking or putting a little flag or whatever on the play, going, oh, good. There's an attaboy. There's an attaboy for Bentley. Holy shit. Another one. There's another attaboy for Bentley. Nice hit. Oh, great fill there. You know, great disruption. He He's not, you know, taking false steps, taking himself out of play, out of place. He's doing a nice job. So I think that's a really, a really nice addition to this defense that, if we're having this conversation May, June, July, August, right up until he really blew up in people's faces on the uh, in the preseason game, I don't think people realize what they had there. But he's a really nice add-in. Changes the face of the rotation there at the linebacker group. Uh, nice compliment there to Dante Hightower. So 
anyway, we move on to this thing into the game defensively. And one thing I wanted to kind of point out to everyone, and this is more less about this particular game and just canvassing the rest of the season and how I think the wave of rushers will go. They basically got two groups. And one is they can go real much heavier. Danny Shelton alongside uh, Malcolm Brown, that's essentially two heavies, a super heavy in, in, in Shelton. Brown's a more, you know, a normal D tackle. He's not nearly as long, not nearly as heavy. He's more like a, he's not up to the 350 range. But it's the biggest two that you have. Uh, and those guys, you know, in a four-man line, if they're playing more sub fronts, uh, sub front being just two inside linebackers behind a four-man line with the seventh guy who would be a linebacker and regular is a safety here now. Those two form the, hey, we're going big, we're going to stop run. And then you can put any number complement of defensive ends outside those guys. Flowers, Wise, uh, Claiborne, Davis, as we mentioned, Rivers if he's active. All of that stuff comes into play. But you have your two bigger, bigger bigs inside them. Now, uh, Lawrence Guy is the guy who rotates with that. If you also have a, a good run stop type. Now, the complement to this is more passing situations, and they have a pretty heavy uh, substitution pattern. All the rest of the dudes come in off the sideline, and those guys tend to go out. You're no longer relying, obviously, on Shelton or or even Malcolm Brown to be pass rushers on third down. That's just not third down or more obvious passing situations. That would not be a strength, obviously. It's not a knock against them. It's just the bigs. That's not what they're built to do nearly as well. Who you get instead is Adam Butler, and man, he can play. Adam Butler's disruptive. He's active. It's perfect. He's the perfect kind of guy to have on this team as a your your pass rushing interior player. And then the compliment becomes Dietrich Wise next to him. So Dietrich is long. He's power forward body. Those are your two bigs. Now Wise isn't a natural inside guy if it's a more run obvious thing. But in this, wow, perfect. And then you go to the right end. You go Adrian Claiborne. Adrian Claiborne. Wise and uh, and Butler on the inside and Trey Flowers left. That four-man group, y'all going to love it if you get 16 weeks of that. They were extremely effective, closing the room around Watson. There's some retraceability, and by that, I, I use that phrase a lot. Hopefully, you guys picking up on what that means. But retrace meaning they get up to the top of the pocket, and then when the quarterback tries to run back down it, they're quick enough and long enough in the case of Wise, and Butler's more of a quickness guy, to get back on top of the thing and make plays. I think the four of those together are going to be a very, very effective group. Could push sack numbers and those kind of things that you care about near the top of the league without any exotic calls, without having to do anything crazy to get it going. Now, that's the setup. That's the setup. Let's get back into the game itself. Um, we'll, we'll go Patriots offense here now. There's a series a little bit later. This ends up being one of the ugly plays of the game. And number 97, Angelo Blackson, who is a name that I would imagine went under 99% of uh, the eyes, mine, mine included, uh, as far as radar anyway, that, uh, that this guy was actually on the Patriots practice squad last year. And the reason number 97, he's a big defensive tackle, uh, gets into this conversation, he actually uh, tipped a pass. He's the one that tipped that pass. He's over the top of Shaq Mason, getting a little pass rush, not getting a ton of push, but gets his hand up, and then Matthew ends up, uh, Tyron Matthew ends up getting the interception there in a backed up situation. So, uh, Patriots had gotten into a third man or second man's or third man's whatever it was. James White shakes his guy in space. He's open. Looks like a completion's about to happen in the conversion, but Blackson gets his hand up. Now, he was here from September 1st to November 1st, or September 4th to November 1st a year ago on the practice squad. So most fans aren't going to be aware of that. I certainly wasn't myself, uh, but Houston was the one who claimed him. Nice little bump for that kid to come back here, play in Gillette, the place that wouldn't put him on the field, and he gets a tip pass of Brady's that becomes an interception and helps his team. So I know it's not the Patriots' side of it, but it, it was a nice play by him, and it deserves a little attaboy himself. So um, moving on here, though, now you're in a sudden change situation again. Uh, this time the Patriots are the ones that are dealing with the sudden change defensively. And they put on the field the group that I just mentioned, and I think it's perfect. Flowers at left, Wise at left D-tackle, Butler at right defensive tackle, Claiborne at the right end. That group's perfect. Great group. You're going to love to see that throughout the year. And Derek Rivers, if he's active, maybe rotates in one of those two spots as well. Uh, but they end up holding up there pretty well. And, you know, at least I think I believe that was forcing a field goal early. So sudden change, do okay with it. 
Now let's move to the other side of the ball. And and I think that and it, well before I do that, that that to me was the story, the notion that they they held up okay there on sudden change. Yes, they gave up a, a touchdown later on the punt muff, sudden change, but they sucked time. I, I think overall this is a defensive poor performance of Patriots are gonna Monday review, today review themselves and feel pretty good about it. There's a couple goofy points up there because of the two backed up sudden changes that all happen inside their own 20 and you're kind of just surviving there and it's going to point to um, you know it ends up being 10 points otherwise you're looking at a 10 point game you want to get more out of those you'd love to have both of them be field goals but uh, I think you take those off the board and you look at what else they did on that day awful good work so now we'll go to the other side of the ball I know obviously offense is something that 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 grabs attention people love to talk about the receivers who's going to catch it all that kind of stuff Chris Hogan did not have a big day uh, did hit a nice sticks route uh, down the field for for uh, for I believe his only completion of the game and that was relatively early I still think it was in the first quarter but he's outside he's extended to Tom's left to Brady's left deep over beyond the sticks, comes back and uh, makes the the completion. Uh, one of the things I really wanted to make a point of here, because I saw a little bit of the the chirping on Twitter. You know, obviously someone made a joke about the the Des Bryant thing because Des was tweeting about it, and then then they had you know I, I know how this works. I, people's eyeballs go back to a box score. Oh, this player only had this many receptions. Oh, the receivers are garbage or whatever. One thing to understand in, in reviewing the, some performance of the Patriots receivers, you cannot stare at a box score to find out how they did. You got to look also. You know, the complementary piece there is you have to look at their usage percentages, the play counts. Um, one great example of this is that the box score is not going to help you out much on how those guys individually performed. Is is go find out who played uh, the very first very first snap of the game is Corderell Patterson first snap of the Patriots season offensively. He's the only wide receiver in the game, so they went. Uh, two tight ends, two backs with just one, one wide receiver in. So how can you knock Chris Hogan for not getting a catch on a pass he's not in, right? How can you knock Dorsett for uh, not getting a pass on the play he's not in? So there was a number of times where the Patriots really only had one wide receiver on the field. And that's, I mean, you could argue clearly that that's because they don't have a super depth there in the day, but they were pretty effective with the other choices they made. Essentially, Burkhead played back and James White would motion out of the backfield and play the second wide receiver. So oftentimes they're they're competing against a one wide receiver set where the second's a back. So it's is it Patterson going to be in the game? Is it Hogan going to be in the game? Or is it Dorsett? And I think each of those three guys played pretty solidly when they were in there, but it was a limited rep day. It was a scheme decision they made. It would be a much different story if you, you say Chris Hogan runs 40 routes on the day and only catches one ball. That's just not what happened. Same, You could say that same thing for any other wide receivers. This was a scheme choice they make, and that drives what ends up in that box score. You can never forget that part. Now, moving on into this game, uh, one of the things that I thought was pretty cool was the Patterson usage. You, you may have seen me tweeting about that. Um, he played some traditional uh, pass you know, plays where he's out running around, but he's the bigger guy who can go out and block really well uh, that you might you like to have on the field from the wide receiver position. If he's not being targeted, he's a bigger wide receiver. He's almost like a smallish tight end. Uh, they can get out there and jump on a defensive back quickly, long arms, stronger than, lock him up. And they had this cool little jet sweep play uh, with Patterson. And was his usage, his usage was more the quick look pass stuff or the uh, the jet sweep stuff or the gadgety kind of stuff. And I think we should all expect that that's probably how it's going to go throughout this season until you get Julian back and maybe he's a third receiver and a three-receiver three set or maybe even the fourth. But at this point, it's the unique usage. And that's kind of the, that's the, the player he is. And he can be very effective for the Patriots. I think we saw glimpses of that on this day. But what was cool about the first way they used him is they aligned him with the receivers. So they put two receivers to one side, him and Hogan, and they put the two tight ends to the other, Gronk and Allen. So then what happens is the jet sweep moves back to the two tight end side. So what are you getting? Getting two tight ends, two really good, two of the better blocking tight ends in football out in front of a play with the offensive line now sort of pulling in space themselves with Patterson behind it. So you can see how much different that would be in a normal situation. You've got the old Patriots, three or four wide receivers on the field, and you run that jet sweep while you're running the jet sweep behind receivers blocking DBs as opposed to two of your best blocking space guys and your tight ends blocking them. So that was kind of a cool little wrinkle. Um, You know, 
corners getting Gronk, corners getting uh, Allen, uh, latching onto them out as an extended thing, that's a tough get-off. It's, it's tough to get off those blocks when there's that much of a disparity. So the way they build these formations, the way Josh does, and the way they put Patterson out there in a position to make plays should be scary to some teams. You know, I think if you're Jacksonville, you're looking at that going, well, that wasn't on the roster a year ago. That wasn't something we had to account for. That's not some stuff that we were studying. So much better ball in his hand kind of guy than even, you know, like Brandon Cooks a year ago. So that to me was uh, is something that popped out in this game that you're going to want to be excited about for the rest of the season. Um, now, moving to the other side of the ball, I just kind of wanted to hit on themes here as we bounce back and forth between the series and stuff that was good, stuff that was bad. Jordan Thomas is his new tight end for uh, for the, the Texans. Watson hit a big ball to him. Chung's in coverage. It's sort of a, a seven-cut flag route, whatever, something that's up the field and then breaks to the outside, not, not straight out like a deep out, but more on a 45-degree you know, angle kind of thing towards the sideline. Uh, it was a really nice throw. It was one of those tip of the cap to the other quarterback. He makes a great throw, big-time throw, puts it on him. Chunks coverage isn't terrible. It's pretty good. He's right there near the pocket, but he slides in a perfect ball. And my first thought was, wow, great pass, great stuff, but thank God that's not on the inside of the hashes. Now, it's inside the numbers, inside the hashes. They're pushing it, forcing them to make those really difficult plays, and can they do that 20 times in a row? No. It's just they hit on it once, but they didn't hit on it a lot of times in the game. So it's kind of those things that you concede in the coverage. If you're going to play hard inside and down low leverage, deep into the outside is going to be more available. Deep into the outside should be the harder throw. They completed it on that one, but I still think it kind of fit the theme for what they needed to accomplish on the day. Sucks you gave up that big one, but can, are they going to be able to complete that over and over and over again? I think the day itself, uh, over the course of the whole day, it proved that that wouldn't be the case, as you would expect. So we're going to move on here and get back to the other side of the ball. I hope I'm not yo-yoing too much for you, but the way I'm doing this is I'm going through the, ser- the series of the game on each side and talking about what I think are the cool things that come out of that, that that will sort of bleed forward into the year. It's important here to note, and I mean, this is not you know just a fan show for the Patriots or something like that. I do want to analyze what I'm seeing. And obviously Brady had a very good day on the day. The tip pass kind of throws off the, the numbers and ratings and all that stuff and stats if you follow them. But by and large, pretty efficient, very good day, has the multi-touchdown thing. Uh, he looked like Tom Brady, basically. Pocket movement was great, You know, made some odd arm angle throws some lower body off and still able to get it out quickly resets pockets delivered a bunch of dimes good day for him but there was a bad decision out there and this is the one I'm talking about now he threw to Hogan uh, and Hogan was it was this is a third and 10 situation I believe almost in plus territory this I'm not positive on the driver on here but I think this ended up being one of the field goals uh, but anyhow Brady at third and 10 had Hogan deep and down the middle of the field Hogan had drawn Pretty much a bracket. I mean, I don't know if it was intended so or maybe just because he's advanced into that part of the field. But he ends up with two defensive backs awful close to him. And they have levels. You know, old uh, old uh, Kramer from Seifel thing, levels. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking here just the way they build the routes where you've got – you can have two things happening almost identical to one another, but one at, you know, one at 15 yards and the second at 25. Those are the levels. The level here was created one with Hogan on top of it and one with Dwayne Allen about its stick step. I mentioned third and 10. He's just a little beyond it. Allen's the low level. Hogan's the top level. Hogan's drawn double coverage. Allen was open. And Brady went for the high portion into the double coverage Probably fortunate that that one wasn't intercepted. I'd put the intercepted. I put that one as the one bad throw of the day, the one risky throw of the day, uh, the one that was regrettable. Especially in that throwing to Hogan in double is much different than throwing Gronk in double, which we'll get into that more later. So uh, uh, an unwise decision I thought in that moment, in a day of mostly wise decisions as you'd expect from Tommy. But he did have Allen sitting, squatting just beyond stick step that would have been a first down had he gone to the low level portion. Didn't. Missed on that one, ends up ending the series. So, you know, when Tom Brady comes to the, the podium at the end of the day and he talks about frustration, we could have been better, we left a lot out there, you know, there's a couple things he's referring to. Sometimes it's other people's mistakes. I think in that moment he could he would self-reflect and say, no, nah, that's not the one. I didn't go to the right one on that one. And I think those would be one of the ones, one of those plays that points back at him. Um now we're swinging back to the other side. That ends the drive. Pat's defense is now back on the field. And one of the things that was a big change in this game relative to a year ago when they played the Texans in the third game of the regular season, there was much more, 
you know, without doing a raw count, but there was much more to my eye of the safe single safety high. Keep Devin in the middle of the field as opposed to having Devin shade to a side and, and sensibly double uh, DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't, it looked to me like they didn't feel like they needed to double Hopkins as much because of their own, the Patriots with their own comfort level with what Stephon Gilmore could do against him individually. Gilmore played pretty well. I mean, yes, Hopkins had some catches, but he didn't have many of the big plays. Hopkins picked up a couple penalties late that helped extend that drive. That's probably the one thing he's clearly going to want to back because those reset drives and ended up leading to points there in that sort of get-back situation at the end of the game there. But other than that, the breadth of the game, the just the reality of not needing to shade, hard cut, any of that stuff, basically take a safety out of the middle of the field or take him out of other places you'd rather have him to account for Hopkins. They didn't have to do this on that day. And, and a year ago, it looked like they felt like they had to do that, and they got burnt on a couple of plays. The Ellington touchdown was one of those plays. Getting the safety out of the middle of the field, he's, he's, he's Hopkins, uh, he's Hopkins, uh, I don't know, aware, I guess would be the word, but basically he's distracted. He's overdoing that. The middle of the field's vacant and they get the touchdown. There was less of that today. You know, able to keep Devin at home in the middle of the field. I thought that was a really big new theme in this game. And if you can do that throughout the season, because you feel good about the corner, you pay a lot of money that earned it and is playing really well. Well, that's an advancement of the defense. It's, it's getting to a sort of a higher plane than they were a year ago. Um, Gilmore and Rowe interception. Now, this happens, I believe we're now flipping sides. We're back going in the other direction. Um, nice pressure on this particular play. Uh, I believe it was Adam Butler that had pressed the middle a little bit. But basically, Watson decides he's going to go for it all. Uh, Eric Rowe is the the corner that would have been under TV screen at the bottom of the screen. He's carrying just a simple go route to a deep part of the field. Uh, it must have been some sort of uh, zone coverage of some sort because Gilmore's the corner on the other side of the field. But when he gets a deep over, he's passing it off to someone else, so he frees up. There's nothing threatening him underneath him, so he carries and carries and carries to the deep part of the field, sees the big throw. You've got both you've got both row and Gilmore retreating almost to the back line there. That route had no chance. Atrocious decision there by Watson. Regrettable for him, obviously. Uh, but it almost looked as if Rowe had it, and then it was taken away by Gilmore. But they were all over that route. Good coverage there. Obviously a big-time play. So now I've kind of skipped around here a little bit, but we're to the point of the game here where you're you're basically at 14-6, to Patriots. They're up 14-6. They've scored a couple times. Kept the field goals uh, for everything the Texans have been dealing with. Uh, and this drive, to me, for the Patriots, I would call it the Dorset drive. You know, it was the Dorset drive. Three targets, three catches, big-time plays. He's the one that ends up on the touchdown. The touchdown itself came out of trips. Uh, trips to the top of your screen if you're watching it on TV. Trips to the offensive left if you're at the game. Defense is right. Uh, but... Dorsett's one of the three up there in those trips. Uh, trips is three little receivers in sort of a triangle together up one of the three guys up on the line. Uh, Riley McCarron, I believe, was the point man uh, in that, and he's running a little inside route, so he's kind of getting jammed up a little bit, but he's drawing coverage by running that route. So the inside linebacker kind of sucks to that. The guy who's trying to cover him sucks to that. Hogan runs something to the outside of that trips, and uh, Hogan draws his coverage. Tom does decides not to go to the flat route to Hogan. Instead, he's going to wait out Dorsett, who's back, he's run to the back line. And he gives the little lean-in fake, little feint as if he's going to come back to the post and then zigs it back to the outside. So he's out to the outside, running essentially the back line. Brady puts it on him in a hurry. Ankle's broken by the defensive back. It's a tough spot to be in. Or you get leaned on and they break away from you. But you see the breakaway there by Dorsett. He separates really quick in those first two steps. He's wide open. Brady puts a bullet on him. It's a little bit like you've seen Amendola do those routes in the past. Obviously, in the playoff run there as well, where he had a couple really good backline throws. Uh, Hogan had one of those in the preseason. But good to see Dorsett, another guy in this group that can do that as well comes out of the bunch earns himself a one-on-one spot plays leans into the leverage that the db has breaks away from it and brady puts a puts a seat on him and it's an easy touchdown so good development there with the offense you've got some options clearly and so you know you're back in the red zone here you're not just having to pump the grunt because you don't have other options you know white in the in the flat or white in out and in space as as an option they went to that several times but you can go to one of those three wide receivers and they can do backline work and make plays themselves. Again, another layer of the offense. That's a very good thing. Um, 
you know, we're going to go back here and, you know, we're skipping a, 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 a series with the Texans. Uh, and I'm back here to a, the big play of the game to Rob Gronkowski that ends up being a negative for the team and that he fumbles. Now, um, one of the things that I, I'm thinking I might do this as a video where this this might show up in my athletic column for this week. I really like the throw and work here by Brady on this particular throw. And again, if it wasn't clear that what I just said, that this is the one that Gronk ends up fumbling. Big time catch. But what I liked is Brady drops back. He quickly looks looks right initially. Uh, and well, he had a flat option there, something he could have gone to quickly. But, you know, it's sort of drawn attention right. It's checking what's going down to the right portion. He swings his attention back left, and left he didn't want. It was closed. I think it was Hogan running something back to the outside. But he's then swinging back to what's his third thing, to the middle field. So right to check coverage, not liking the flat portion left to see what's going on, maybe a deep comeback or whatever the hell it was. And then the third thing, back to his attention in the middle field and puts a really nice ball up on Gronk up high and just where he can catch it up the middle read portion or seam or whatever. That that means between hash and numbers. So the ball goes back to Gronk. Really nice catch there. And it's not just a, hey, snap from center, Tom staring at Gronk and threw him a nice ball. It was a, a few things that happened before he got it to him. And that, that stresses the defense. When you see him looking three different ways, you look three different ways. You pause, you start to lean. And then he's able to come back and put a put a ball on Gronk like that. Big time play. And this to me goes back to sort of the, you know, the, the, the lack of freshness, or well, no, excuse me, that's the wrong way to put it. They are fresh, but the lack of uh, refinement, I guess you see in Gronk catch nice play, but then fumble it immediately. And and I had a little, you know, a little bit of the, Oh, this is the newness, you know? Oh yeah. I remember I got to secure the ball. And, and uh, that's, you know, again, they did not have a lot of preseason reps. So that's kind of a ragged, thing you'll see in September that I can almost certainly guarantee you're not going to see Gronk putting it on the ground like that much again. It's sort of that little mental reminder that, ah, oh, made the great play. I've got to put the thing away because it, it wasn't some, you know, all world strip. It was just nice timing hand on the ball, but it's put away a little securely. And I think most people don't get that off of Gronk, but did in this moment, as I mentioned, this is the thing that sucks because, uh, you know, Jeremy Hill goes down with a knee. And we didn't talk about Jeremy Hill much much yet at this point, but obviously prior to this, he's been in the game. He's getting some lead-back reps, a uh, handful of carries, looked effective, was doing a nice job. Uh, you know, it's, it wasn't like a mind-blowing performance where he was going for 100 or anything, but move the sticks, positive plays, good runs, hits it hard. And now, unfortunately, it looks like he's injured. As we're doing the show on Monday, uh, we don't know to the extent of his injury, but we'll, we'll, we'll find that out. But hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, but that's just sort of the chaos of football, guys. And, and unfortunately, sometimes those things happen. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, now, we're going to go back the other direction. Obviously, now the Texans have it. That's, this drive ends with a fourth, fourth and five. Uh, the Texans, have, after the turnover, they get the ball down into Patriots territory. Fourth and five, down deep, low red uh, in the Patriots, with the Patriots backed up. And Watson throws an incompletion to the tight end. I believe it's Griffin, Ryan Griffin, uh, up the seam. Now, this to me is is a sneaky, important play with, uh, with Bentley, the, the new linebacker from Purdue, number 51. Because I don't know if he's necessarily the spy. Spy is a word where... It's a four-man rush or three-man, and you just pop one guy out of there, and he's going to chase Watson. Uh, I, I This is almost more like he knew he was a low-coverage player, popped out, and tried to just mirror Watson and get his hands up. Now, Watson throws an uncatchable ball. That's obvious if you, you know, when you watch this thing back, but I, I kind of have... I kind of understand why Watson wasn't able to put a great ball on Griffin because when Bentley drops off, he kind of fakes into coverage. He's standing over the line or fakes into the line. He's standing over the guard. Am I coming? Am I not coming? And he bounces out on the snap of the ball. All he does is back up. He's maybe only five yards off the line of scrimmage at this point, but he's mirroring Watson and he's got his arms up. And if you're Watson, you kind of have to throw around him or either you have to put a little more loft on it to get it over him. It's not as if Bentley was in any danger of tipping this thing. It's just you become sort of an impediment, and it was directly in the line of fire for that pass. I think if this is 7-on-7, or say Bentley's in the rush there, I think he might complete that ball to Griffin, or he throws a different kind of ball. This one airmails and sails a little bit, I think in part because uh, Bentley did a nice job of getting himself in the throwing lane. Affected the throw. 
got off the field. Now, McCourty was in coverage on that one. He's outside shade, in coverage as a, as a down guy. He's not playing like the post-safety stuff as we often see him. This is red zone stuff. He's a, he's a cover player. And he's, you know, outside shade. So that's tough because it's going to come back to the middle. It did. You're just basically hoping that you can transition after the ball's out from his outside hip to getting a PBU on the inside. So it would have been tough. It, it, it would have been tight. Bigger body there. That may have been a completion if it hadn't been forced to throw a different kind of ball with Bentley's just field placement, which is, it, you know, it's a smart player. Put yourself in, mirror him, get your hands up. It actually does affect the throw even when you're not tipping the thing. So now you're back the other way where Patriots have got the ball. They don't get the fourth and five there, and you've got to seamer out to Gronk. This is the big play of the day, in my view, uh, as far as just the, the highlight of the highlights. Uh, and, and, well, I, I, that's maybe not exactly fair because uh, – Gronk had two of them. He had well, three. Shoot, now we're not even counting touchdowns. So Gronk had an exceptional game. So maybe I'm maybe I'm trying to say play of the day every single time this thing happens. But uh, there's a seam route by Gronk up the right side again to Brady's right side, offensive right side again. And holy shit, this thing goes right over the shoulder pad of of the I believe it's number forty one Cunningham, who's he's taking the seam route. He's carrying it. This is a defensive back. This is not a linebacker, and it goes right over the shoulder and past the ear hole of the defensive back. And it just slides right in there to Gronk. And you're thinking, you know, hey, great, great, you know, pass and or great catch by Gronk. Nice, nice separation there. But, uh, you know, more, more so this is Tom Brady. He's still Tom Brady. He's, uh, this, this was just, man, that's elite. Like that, that's it. That's what Tom Brady is. The read, the read, the read, putting, putting completions in where, where only his guy can catch it. Now, obviously, his guy's a monster, but you're not looking at the Texans guy's coverage and saying, oh, well, Brady found the guy who was open. I don't know how open he was. This is just elite quarterbacking, and uh, Gronk doing a great job of securing the catch once it gets to him. But that was good stuff here. And some of the other stuff going on in these offensive series now as we get into it, Burkhead's running really well. Had broken a couple. I think there was a 13-yard run in there, a handful of more mild ones, four and five type things, but where he's he's finding space. He's, he's diving forward, getting the leverage, getting in the hole as small as it is and getting himself going forward not getting knocked back some real positive runs there by by Burkhead James White he's now motioning as out of the backfield and he's motioning around the formations it's important to note that this portion of the game we're now we're now later here in the second half James White's playing wide receiver you know you can count him off the sideline as a defense and that's what you do and you say oh who's in the huddle okay they've got such and such personnel and you're counting him as a back but he's aligning as a wide receiver. He's motioning across the formation from one receiver position to the other. It's not aligned in the backfield and motion. Now it is one. James White's playing wide receiver. So when you're trying to do an analysis of how many balls the receivers caught, several of those that James had, it wasn't just him coming out of the you know backfield on checkdowns or swing routes or, or flat routes of some sort or options, any of that stuff. Uh, he was catching some of these balls as a true wide receiver. He lined as one, started as one made some wide receiver catches. So that's important to notice to note as well. And that drive ends up I think that was a, a drive that stalled. Yeah, that drive stalls in uh I believe that was a drive that stalled in uh in a field goal. I don't know. Um, I think I got that right, but either way, uh, I, I, beyond just sort of doing a play by play here, I'm trying to highlight the big elements and, and, and white, white as a receiver, as well as a back, uh, uh, pass catching back those things both happened. Now, one of the negative plays, oh, excuse me, this is on that drive. So this does end in a, a sort of a drive killing situation. They were flying along to get to that point, And this is when you have the DJ reader sack. DJ reader was the guy we, we highlighted a little bit in the, in the, in the pregame, Jerome Solomon from the Houston Chronicle was a guy we had on to sort of highlight guys who were pretty damn good for the Texans that may not get the, the shine as like a clowny or a wad or some of the more obvious names, Whitney, uh, Reader was that next guy. We know Vince Wilfork is retired. Uh, we know that Romeo Cornell runs that crew. Uh, my old my old defensive coordinator, our old coach, and he's got this young guy, young big quick, uh, big quick, you know, on the inside, and DJ Reader. And DJ made a really nice sack in this game that killed some momentum with the Patriots. I mean, they're looking at more like a you know a thirty point game here had this play not happened. And what it is is it's an offset. Uh, inside tackle, I don't know if he's playing nose tackle or whatever. He's offset enough away from the center, and he's going to hit the A gaps, they call them. A gaps being just the gaps on left you know, each side of the center after he snaps the ball. David Andrews has got to get the ball snapped and then keep this guy 
out of the pocket, clearly. But when they're offset enough and they get too much to the edge, that can be very disruptive. Usually the way to hold them off is have one of the guards, Shaq Mason, Tooney, whichever side it happens to be, kind of punch with your inside hand, hold off that guy as you're waiting for yours to advance. So I believe Shaq Mason was a right guard. That he was a right guard in that play, and, and the, the DJ reader sack comes back through the gap between he and the center. What you like to see a guy do, and the reason I know this is because it's what I was coached to do a lot on punt teams, because on punt team, I play right guard. And uh, what you're often told to do is when you're uncovered, and uncovered means I don't have a guy on the line of scrimmage rushing at me at the moment. My guy's off the ball or outside of me or you know hasn't yet advanced to the point where I have to engage him. In those moments, you need to hold off with your inside hand. Look outside, look up to who you're going to block, but punch the other guy's dude. And just that little bit of punch holds them off, makes them sort of shuffle their stride a little bit. They don't advance as much of the first two steps as they otherwise would. And it helps keep them off your center. Now, from my point of view, I'm doing this with a long snapper where you really got to give him help because you don't want to jump out of there. He's got to snap a ball 14 and a half yards. Uh, in this situation, you know, you've got a quick a quick swim guy, a big heavy nose tackle. So it's hard for – it's going to be difficult for David Andrews to get the snap off and then, you know, get out to his side quickly so before that guy can jump into his gap. It was a play where Reader ends up blasting through there quickly. I mean, I'm not Dante Skarnacki. I don't know the specific techniques and stuff they're telling with Andrews's feet or Shaq's feet or whatever it would be. But I'm presuming that, yeah, there's something Andrews could have done better to, to sort of slow down that penetration. But it also looked like to me that could have got some help from the guard that helps that, that prevents that thing from ending up what it was. Instead, it kills a drive. Uh, on a drive, they're moving the ball very well, and you're sitting at... 27-13 as opposed to, I believe it would have been 31-13 if they'd have finished that off. So anyway, they get the kickoff after there, after the after the field goal there. Defense has a really nice stop. Now this game is sort of starting to wind down. You're inside four minutes. Patriots are comfortably ahead two scores. This is the Riley McCarron fumble. Now, again, you know, I was a undrafted free agent myself. I was a guy who had to fight for rosters for those first several years. Ended up hanging around for 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 a lot of years, but I, I know the fight of a young, young guy and the stress you can have. So I'm not here to just shit on this guy and cut him and all that stuff, as I know Twitter likes to do. Uh, and social media likes to just, oh, made a mistake, you're dead to us, that kind of thing. I don't want to do that with this guy at all. Uh, but I do have to acknowledge, to be fair as an analyst, that he made a couple mistakes in the game. But one of these mistakes requires a little more context. So the first one I saw was, as a punt returner, his ball possession was good early, uh, and he, but he fair catches moving backwards. Uh, and they always used to tell the guys on our team anyway, the Troy Browns, uh, Kay Falk when he did it, you put your heels on the 10, if you find yourself fading back inside the 10, let it hit because there's a possibility, a high possibility, high probability that it's going to hit and bounce forward. Hit and bounce forward in the end zone. You don't want to fair catch it moving backwards. So if you're on the 10, heels there. If you feel yourself fading back to be able to catch the fair catch, don't catch it on the 5. But McCarron did make that mistake, and I'm presuming someone has coached him that at some point, although I have seen other returners do it. I'm wondering if maybe the Aussie kick stuff where they're not kicking a ball that's end over end, you know, the typical punt that's the big spiral thing, those things when they hit, they almost always bound forward. The Aussie punt stuff, you know, sometimes those don't. So maybe it's maybe the maybe there's a rule breaker out there for them that I don't know because there weren't as much there weren't as many of those kinds of kicks when I was playing. But from the coaching I recall, uh, that seemed to me a pretty big one-on-one break because he's catching it fading back and ends up feeling that on a six or five or somewhere around that range. You never want to do that. So that was sort of a hey coaching point. doesn't cost you a bunch of yards, but you hate to start an offensive series backed up. I bring that up because then we obviously get into the, the muffed punt, which is the big critical mistake of the game. Now, I, I, you know as I'm doing the show, I don't have the All-22. That The NFL doesn't put that out usually till later on Tuesday. So if we were going to do a, an All-22 show, uh, you know, the, I hate that word, but by the way, coach's copy, it's what it is. It's just the coach's copy that shows the full field. Uh, but we can't do that show. Uh, this couldn't be done until Wednesday. So I just got to roll with the TV broadcast copy. And unfortunately, the TV broadcast copy didn't give us a, a, a look either when the play was live or in either, any of the reviews to see if McCarron had fair caught it or not. If this was a, and I actually said this in post game with Nesson and sort of regretted it afterwards because I looked at the replays that they showed us up in the, up in the media area uh, and they kept, 
I it looked to me like McCarron was trying to move a little bit after he muffed it, after he hits his face mask. And I sort of took that as, oh, he, why would you be trying to return that and, and thinking that that may have contributed to the fumble? But um, I'm not so sure he hadn't just taken his eyes off it, let his helmet on something he had fair caught. So we don't get a fair catch signal there. We won't know that until we see the coach's copy later in the week. So I can't specifically critique whether or not he was incorrectly not fair catching and all that stuff. But the big point here is, yeah, it's a terrible error. You can't have that. You, you may lose that job for several weeks until you can earn it back with catching it right 10 times a day in practice for, for a couple weeks. But I hope that they don't just shovel dirt on them. The one thing that I think is very important to mention, and as I'm recording this, I already put this out on Twitter earlier, but Riley, McCover- Riley McCarron recovered that muff. He did muff it, but he was the one on the ball at the time the whistle was blown. Officials blew that play. They screwed him over. Uh, they, they screwed the Patriots over in this particular instance. Not that there weren't blown calls and went the other way. We're not doing the, the total homer thing, but just very, very specifically on that play, that was an absolute blown call by the refs because McCarron gets down on top of the ball. He's the only one touching at the time. It's Jonathan Jones that comes in a minute, you know, seconds later trying to plug away at it. But, you know, I people on Twitter said this to me, and, and uh, it was part of what I saw out there also last night as we were, you know, scouring Twitter and looking them through the media stuff and sitting up there in the media area, talking with other media members, trying to figure out if he had or hadn't done it. it. There is a fair point that it wasn't like locked, you know, four points of pressure underneath him secured and whistles blowing. It wouldn't have been punched out if that had been the case. But it was clearly, clearly him with the only one who could plausibly have had been been deemed to have had control because he's the only one touching it. They blew the whistle. You see it really well on the broadcast replay coffee because, copy because you can hear it audibly, and you also see the official running over the pile with his hand up in the air. At that moment, Riley McCarron is the only one even attempting to possess the ball. He's laying on top of it. It looks like there's a little punch, uh, maybe because you know one of his teammates Jonathan Jones appears to see that he hasn't he might just be kind of laying on the ball but he's not you know doesn't have it under his arm or something like that but at that moment Jones makes a, a move towards the ball and that's when Bonamosi gets involved and when Bonamosi gets involved then he gets it and you know does come away and Bonamosi obviously was a guy that was with the Patriots that's now moved on to the Texans in free agency that was last offseason but Bonamosi takes it away and does possess it, but he possessed it after the whistle, well after the whistle. It's not even close. At the time where uh, the whistle's blown, it's Bottomosi's not touching it, not touching McCarron, not that that would matter, but he's not making an attempt on it. At that point, he's throwing his shoulder into the pile, and he's backwards to it, and there's a body between him and them, or him, him and McCarron. So McCarron had it. Uh, he's the only one who plausibly could have been thought to have had the ball. Uh, no possession by anyone in the Texans uniform, not even close, not touching the ball or anything like that at the moment the thing was blown. So they screwed that up, and trust me, it, I, I, it, not for reasons of Patriots winning or anything like that, but just for that guy's constitution you know just for the the stress that i know he's going to be going through for the next week or two or three or however things shake out for him it it certainly would have changed the formula for him if he would have gotten credit for repossessing it as he did Uh, but because the officials blow that the possession change happens i wonder because of that if internally they give him a break or maybe they don't you know maybe they go out and try to find another punt returner to sort of uh bridge the gap here until edelman gets back but uh, that is factually what happened. It was a blown call. Yes, he muffed it. That's bad. Yes, the officials blew it by not giving the correct team possession at the moment that they had blown their whistle. Moving on here to finish this thing off, I think this really becomes the most important drive to making sure this is a victory down the stretch for the Patriots' defense. It From that moment, the McCarron fumble happens, or the McCarron muff happens on the punt return. And there's 3.50 to go for the game. Now the Texans have got the ball deep down in Patriots territory. And what happens? It's, it's from 3.50, it takes Houston 2 minutes and 20 seconds to go only 16 yards. So less about the fact that the Patriots eventually give up the score. Clearly you don't want that. But uh, I think even more important is they didn't give up 7 in, say, 45 seconds. You know, 2 plays, 3 plays, 4 plays. It took several plays to go those 16 yards. So they used 2.5 minutes time almost. And now you're basically down to we're screwed. So as much as it was nice from a Texans perspective that they scored, it took them way too long to do it. Now the defense, even though the defense has gotten the ball on their doorstep twice, this one ends up being helpful because of the time suck that goes down. So that 
time suck really ends up sort of saving the day. So the Patriots get the ball back. They go either three and out or unable, I don't know if it was three and out, but they they weren't able to do enough with the ball, punted the way, and uh, but you know you've because of the defensive series that pre- preceded the three and out was nice and long. The Patriots going three and out doesn't hurt as much because now with that tremendous Ryan Allen punt, putting it down right at the one, they got to go the length of the field in under a minute or wherever it was. And again, I draw that straight line right back to the defensive series that the Patriots had on sudden change for helping secure that victory. It was really good. The several stops they made them, uh, that they had that made the Texans take so many plays just to go those 16 yards. That was very important. So, all right, that is going to be enough, though, for this week's show. Uh, I want to obviously allude to the to the Jacksonville game, but I'm not going to do a big breakdown here. I, I don't want to get into that because I haven't looked hard and I don't want to mislead anyone. My feelings may be differently as I get in and study the tape later in the week. But hope you, hopefully you enjoyed this show. Check it out. Download it. You can always find this thing on blogtalkradio.com if that's the way you found it today. You can subscribe there. Download it there. You'll get each weekly episode. I believe there's ways to set up alerts and notifications so you'll know it's coming. If you just simply want to wait for me on social with all this stuff, you can do it that way as well. I tweet out the links usually a few times a day on the day that I put it out. Now that it's a day of, I think I'll still tweet these things on Tuesdays if you want to catch it that way. But subscribe. I'm encouraging you to do that so you don't have to just rely on me to to put it in front of your eyes. The other way is get yourself a subscription. Uh, just hit the subscribe tab on uh, on iTunes. And my the only thing with iTunes that's different, though, is iTunes has a little bit of a delay. So if you're relying on getting my show, uh, the Real Thing Patriots podcast, each week to get the game breakdown as quickly as you can on Monday, you're better off checking it out on Blog Talk Radio because it's downloaded directly to there. It's then pulled up through cloud stuff or whatever to get to iTunes, and that might delay by a few hours or a portion of a day. But if you want to subscribe to it on iTunes, because that's just how you use your particular mobile device or or even, even your laptop, there's that way to do it as well. I put that link out in social. You can check it out there and uh, subscribe to it on iTunes. Subscribe wherever you'd like to catch the thing. But those are two quick ways to get it. That is The Real Thing Patriots Podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. Love doing this show for you guys. I hope you would enjoyed the content. Get in the comment sections uh, either after my tweets or or on the site itself, and uh, let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear. Uh, ask any questions you'd like. Uh, if there's something that's big and pressing, I'll, uh, uh, you know, you ask a, a pointed question. I'd love to dive into that if there's an opportunity after next week's game. So I'll, I'll talk at you again next week after this Jacksonville content uh, contest. Hope you enjoyed the show. Take care out there. Go Patriots. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.